Cancer is not a funny matter, but when it comes to dealing with it, laughter may be a seriously good medicine. Let's find out from someone who knows. I'm Bogda Kozwara and this is Supportive Care Matters. My guest today is David Summons. David is an artistic director of the Humor Foundation, the organization responsible for clown doctors, who you might have seen goofing around our hospitals, providing support in all places, from pediatric operating theaters to hospice. David is also a clown doctor himself, better known as Dr. Tickle. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks very much for having me, Bogdar. It's a great pleasure to be here. So we are recording this show at the end of 2023, and as the year is drawing to an end, I think we can all reflect that it has been quite challenging in many, many ways. Life is no longer a laughing matter, and for people affected by cancer, even more so. So I think this is a perfect time to ask a clown doctor, why humor? Why humor? Well, we do believe that really humor has a place in really almost every situation, and there's lots of evidence for the physiological benefits of humor, of you know, reducing stress and improving the immune system and, and things like that. But fundamentally, why humor is that humor brings us closer together. Humor brings us a sense of life is okay again, and it connects us. It gives us a sense of control. It helps us cope with difficult circumstances. So all those things are, are essential in life, all the way through life. And why humor? Because people want to laugh. It's an essential part of being alive People all the time. And there are great studies that show that 93% of patients believe that having a sense of humor at the end of life is very important. So it's not just the beginning, the whole time. It's one of the things we rate as really, really important. But also it's, it's just something that has so many positive effects on us ourselves, but also on our, our relationships with the people we're laughing with. So there's so many reasons for humor. <laughs> so this is really something about relationships in a way. In a way, you kind of, in order to crack a joke, you have to share a joke, right? Exactly. And that, and that comes back to one of our key principles as clown doctors. While we, we're trying to make people laugh, we have a principle that the first thing we do is make connection. We talk about a journey to laughter, which is connection, rapport, play, then laughter. So the foundation of laughter is actually connection being with someone. You know, we all know that it's easy to have a ridiculous laugh with a friend because we share stuff and we can take risks. We can say things we're not meant to say <laughs> to other people once we've connected. So yes, it is a core. Relationship is an essential part of humour and laughter. So David, I might be stating something completely obvious, but you do not laugh at people, you laugh with people. And I would imagine that the closer you are to people, the more adventurous you could be about the type of humor you employ. Would that be a fair statement? That's right. So and that's one thing we do as clown doctors, you we have to really get close to people, get to know them and be really sensitive to what's going on in their world and really get to connect with them very actually very quickly because then we can be playful with them. But then you can take risks. Like we have a lovely story of our one of our founders, Dr. Peter Spitzer, walked in there as a clown doctor into an oncology room where there was a girl with a bald head and her mum and Dr. Spitzer was there as a clown doctor, and he had some large scissors, plastic scissors, and he, and he pulled them out of his pocket and said, would you like a haircut? And that's a risky thing to say in the circumstances like that, but he'd, he'd made a lovely connection with her first, and she burst out laughing. She thought it was hilarious. And the mum was so 
pleased, was, was actually so moved because this was the first time her daughter had laughed in a week. And so, yes, so you do need to take risks sometimes with laughter, but you, they only really work if you've sought that connection with that person first. So you've touched upon how the foundation started. Can you tell us a little bit of how it sort of, its beginnings and its founders? It's funny, it really was the vision of a, a GP, Dr. Peter Spitzer, who's a who doctor, who really wanted to be a clown, and a performer, John Paul Bell, who was a clown who would really wanted to be a doctor. So they got together and they made the clown doctors, and they really they talked together about the art of medicine. And, and it was all really based on the work of the Big Apple Clown Care Unit in New York, and also Theodora, another organisation, and, and a little bit inspired by the work of Patch Adams, but primarily about clown doctoring in New York. And they got together, they really wanted to bring this humour to hospitals where it wasn't supposedly meant to be. They tested it in a little test run in the Royal Hobart Hospital, actually, just after the Port Arthur Massacre. They took the concept down there and tested it, and it was incredibly well received, even in those circumstances where you know there was terrible trauma going on, there's a lot of sadness and grief, but still the people at the hospital absolutely welcomed them with open arms. And so then what happened after that test, we managed to start a program in Sydney in January 1997 at the Sydney Children's Hospital in Ramwick, and that became our first ongoing program. And we now have programs in 21 hospitals around the country and one hospice. So you really attend a variety of services, variety of facilities, not just children hospitals, but also hospice. Tell me about the type of work that clown doctors do. So it's a huge range. So like a typical day of a clown doctor is enormously varied. You can walk into a clinic. We might help with procedural distraction. So children are having burns dressed and undressed and very painful, scary procedures. And we help calm the situation. We make the experience much nicer for the child, for the staff, for the parents. So that kind of work. Then you might just go down the general atmosphere, the corridors, and just make the whole atmosphere of the hospital more playful and light bring some joy to everyone there and then you'll go into a ward and that could be the intensive care unit or it could be the emergency ward it could be oncology it could be across the spectrum and you work with children who are a day old premies a day old and with children who are 18 but you're also working with their families and staff so we actually make contact with everybody we meet and a PhD study that we did on the work actually says that her finding was that what clown doctors did was improve the hospital experience of everyone they meet and that's really important for us that we're trying to bring joy to everyone we meet not just the children because if we bring joy to the people around the children that's going to be beneficial for the children too. And we go into some very, very specialised areas too. We're currently working with the Victorian Forensic Paediatric Medical Service where we assist children who have been brought in to be examined for suspected physical abuse. We accompany those children through what we imagined would be a traumatic experience but actually becomes a really pleasant experience where they have fond memories of the event rather than simply fear or anxiety. I want to touch upon your comment that Introducing joy is not just about catering to the patients, but looking at the entire environment, including staff and the general feel of the place. That's quite important, isn't it? I've certainly come across the clown doctors in my hospital in the local coffee shop, and that just brings a smile on your face, even if it is just a very brief encounter. Well, that's right, because everyone's trying to make the child better, right? That's everybody's job. But Everyone needs to be looked after, not just the child. I mean, if you're not being looked after as the carer, 
then you can't care as well. So that's why we need to look after everybody. And it's also fantastic to bring people together. So we have great moments where, you know, moments in the corridor where a child begins singing a little song with the clown doctors and the mum joins in and then a nurse walks down and joins in and then a cleaner walks down and joins in and then the ward clerk joins in and suddenly you've got 10 people collectively singing a song together and you know then you're working together for a very clear goal but everybody's in it and everybody's a part of that project to make that child well and everything just flows better when everybody feels they're a part of it. So you have to be incredibly spontaneous in your work as a clown doctor so you can actually take advantage of a moment and kind of and run with it. You can't exactly rehearse it. So what skills are required for your job application to be a clown doctor? Exactly right. We go in with nothing planned. We meet the situation as it is. That's one of our key principles. So the, the skills you need, you need to be a good improviser. And ideally, you, you have a background in clowning. Because those two things together are really powerful because a clown has a principles of clowning is also always about entering a world with a greater sense of curiosity, wonder, fascination, to see what's going to happen, optimism. And an improviser understands the dramatic form that is needed to make a performance or an interaction work in terms of its theatricality, in terms of of bringing about an engagement that ideally brings about laughter or or stimulates the imagination. But yes, it's essential to meet what's going on in the room because if you meet what's going on in the room, you can transform the room and people feel really seen and really connected because you've done something that only works there in that place at that time. Now, you mentioned how important it is for carers to be cared for. Now, a clown doctor is also a carer, and I would imagine that there will be days when the clown doctor has his or her own challenges that they encounter. How do clown doctors look after themselves, or what sort of caring do they require? How does it happen when you connect to somebody, for example, or you experience something that is sad or distressing? It's a really good question, Bogdana. We take great care of our performers, partly through the structures we put in place. So we have a very important briefing and debriefing tool that we ask the clown doctors to apply every time they work. We have a good funny name for that because we like to be playful, and that's called the SNOT, which stands for the Shared Noses Off Time. That's what we do before the um, round to make sure we're ready, we're warmed up, we're connected with each other. We've set aside what was going outside on outside the hospital, and we're now ready to be present to what is actually happening in the hospital and then we do at the end of the day after the shift that we ask the clown doctors to debrief the day what went well what didn't go so well how are we going emotionally is there something that needs attending to and if so how are we going to do it and we even take that through to our national conference where we have rituals that support this we have a little session called in memoriam where we take an opportunity to spend some silence together remembering the children or the families that we've worked with over the last year and what's happened to them. That's a collective way of supporting each other go through challenging emotional times. And to do that in a group is more powerful than doing it just with one person. So clown doctors do need to look after themselves, but we, we try to put it into the practice of what we do. It's interesting that I can take some lessons from what you do as clown doctors to my own practice as an oncologist, because I think that sort of 
maybe there is a time for a snot time in <laughs> oncology practice as well. What do you think cancer professionals could learn from clown doctors? You know, I think the first thing is to pause. And I know clinicians are incredibly busy people. You've got so many things to do, so many tasks to fulfill, so many people to meet. But if you can bring in pauses through the day, that's a great help to making connection. So if you can pause and really try to see the person you're with, give them a moment where you see each other, then you can build connection with that person. And then everything can flow more effectively with that person, which comes back to what I was talking about before, that any sort of playfulness or laughter that we elicit is founded on making connection. And that is often founded on silence, allowing a person to be seen, giving that person just a few moments to know that you are really interested in that person and not just in the job you need to do. So you can learn from clown doctors about how to make a connection rather than necessarily how to be funny. Well, the great thing about that is you're more likely to be funny if you've made connection. Because once you've made connection, then you can go, oh, now we can play. You've met each other and now you're more open to each other. So then you can look for a little moment of playfulness and that can lead to laughter. And that can be just like, that can be a literally little funny raising of the eyebrow. It doesn't have to be a great joke. You know, it can just be, you can be a new acknowledging the little mistake you've made where you've, you haven't sat down very effectively. You know, you've sat down, you've made a bit of a, that's okay. You're a human. You know, so you sort of open yourself up to being seen as another person in the room with your patient. And then you can become funny because you are willing to be playful with that person. I think we can certainly take a lesson from that. David, I know also that you have undertaken some research in your work. You've recently completed a Churchill Fellowship. Can you tell us a little bit about that work? Uh, Yeah, so I had the great privilege of visiting some programs in North America and Europe, and the programs were elder clowns or clown doctor, what we call aftercare specialists now, so that's clowns going into aged care facilities, working mainly with people with dementia. So I managed to go and observe a whole lot of those programs. And it was wonderfully informative work. And uh, I think the key finding from it was what joy the clowns can bring. The other key finding was that people are a little bit afraid that a clown is going to infantilize an older person or an adult or person with dementia. But in fact, the opposite is true because a clown comes in completely accepting of who that person is and completely acknowledging their value and their wisdom and that they're more capable than the clown. So the clown asks advice. The clown needs help. The clown totally accepts the person for who they are now, not the person they used to be. And in that way, clowns, what they do is restore a person's sort of social capital because we really need help. We need to know what's the best way to prune our roses or who we should invite to Christmas, you know, or whether we should get married or whether we should live in the country or the city. And all these things, what's the right hat to wear to an job interview? Many, many things. And then we can be playful as well. And what I also learned is that play totally changes people's feeling. There was a beautiful comment from one of the, one of the residents says, when the clowns come in, it's like the window opens and I can breathe more oxygen. And another beautiful moment where we went into a, the, the performers went into a room where a resident was very unhappy with God because she was 
cranky with God because he hadn't taken her yet. He'd had enough. She'd had enough, and she was very cross that God hadn't listened to her and given her front end of the queue. So normal response to that is to go to be, oh, to look after that person and we'll take care of their worries. What the clowns managed to do instead was bypass God by enacting her funeral where she played the corpse in the coffin. Somebody gave the eulogy, which she corrected quite often. Somebody played the priest. Somebody played the pallbearers. They went through the, we went through, they went through the whole uh, funeral together. And, of course, she just laughed and laughed throughout it. And by the end of the play, she was no longer angry with God because she wasn't angry with God, really. She, she was just unhappy. She didn't want to die. She just really didn't want to be unhappy. So it completely transformed her day by a playful response to somebody being upset rather than an overly earnest response to somebody being upset. That is a great story, and I think that's another take-home message for sort of oncology because you've just given an example of how important in relationships there is this addressing the issue of power distribution. And I think that giving power to the patients, giving power to the people you support makes it more acceptable and makes it more fun. And I think we can also take that into cancer practice. I don't see children, but I see a lot of older patients and treating them on their terms is really important to them. So maybe we can pick something from there. And some of them have amazing sense of humor. Absolutely, of course. And what a joy for you as well. Like It's a joy for everybody. This is the great thing is when you connect, everybody has a better time and everybody can play their role more effectively. The patient becomes more engaged with your suggestions, your treatment. You're more engaged with the patient, and it's just it's only a positive thing. So what's next for the Human Foundation? Sounds to me like you're growing and extending your work to other areas. What's the ambition for the future? So, you know, our, our real ambition is to be in every single major pediatric hospital seven days a week. That's where we'd love to be. And we want to keep growing our laughter care program, which is the work we do in aged care facilities, to be in as many of those places as possible. But we're also really growing our education program because we realize we have some skills and principles that we can share with people that can also help them. So we're currently running workshops for healthcare staff about connecting better, you know, developing more effective therapeutic relationships. We have workshops where we help aged care facility staff to be more playfully engaging with their residents and also for carers at home. So uh, not non-staff, but, you know, loved ones who are looking after people with dementia and trying to help them bring some more playfulness to the, the more extraordinary work they do at home. Our expansion really is to try to share our knowledge more and more. So we keep doing our work in as many places as possible, but we will never have enough clowns to go around the whole country. So we're trying to also share our, our knowledge and skills. So you can actually develop a pool of people who may not be clown doctors, but who may appreciate the value of the humour and connection. Absolutely. And we are, it's, our, it's our real goal to talk to all medical staff, especially that, you know, I th again, I think it's, it's wonderful for the patients, but it's wonderful for the practitioners as well, for clinicians, because clinicians are great servants. They, and they're really dedicated to what they do, but in that dedication, sometimes lose connection with their own, their own selves. In my experience is in the dedication to do a great job and to be right and to get everything right. 
like you put enormous pressure on yourselves and it's not always beneficial to do that. And if you can pause again and take some care for yourself, you actually will have a better connection, I think, with your patients. I think I need to adopt the snot approach (laughs) for my work tomorrow. (laughs) You're most welcome to. (laughs) Yes, that will be borrowed. So the Humor Foundation motto is we bring laughter where it is unexpected yet most needed. It sounds to me that the modern world and modern cancer care is certainly in need of more clown doctors and more clown doctor attitude. David, is there anything else that we haven't covered in our discussion? I think the key thing is that people think they're not funny, but you don't have to be a funny person to be funny. You don't have to be a funny person to bring about laughter. You just need to connect with someone, be open to them, be willing to be playful with them and to be curious about the craziness of the world, then if you do that, there's a good chance someone will smile and laugh with you because we so much want to do it. That is a wonderful note to end 2023 on and to begin 2024. Thank you very much, David. It's been great talking with you. An absolute pleasure. Thanks, Bogdan. That is all for Supportive Care Matters, a podcast created by me, Bogda Kozwara, for researchers, clinicians, policymakers, and patients passionate about improving the lives of people affected by cancer. Thanks to Mark Tai, who composed the original music, and to the Oncology Network, our producers. For show notes, go to www.oncologynews.com.au, subscribe to this podcast at your favorite podcast provider, and rate us. It will help others find us.